Pete, do you swallow gum? No. I did as a child. Well, apparently, apparently I'm uh, Peter Pan over here. Um, apparently it stays in your gut for decades. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either. <laughs> I would have, I would have a, I mean, maybe we'll see. I got to go get a colostomy and for, <laughs> strictly for gum. We'll see what the, what the verdict is. Yep. Um, <clears throat> let's, let's kick it. Kick us off the way let's we always do. It. Hello and welcome to In Search of S- uh, Fuck. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. <laughs> you better leave Hold all on. of this. You better leave all of this. I'll leave all of it. I'm going to try again. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the In Search of King Crimson Tracks podcast. My name is Pete. My name is Bob. How you doing, Pete? Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, I am. Let me see. Let's. Which intro do I want to do? Which like off the cuff <laughs> thing that I have not planned? Um, Pete, I'm getting back from a big trip, but even more importantly, I was uh, just at a uh, nine-year-old birthday party. It was at a movie theater. Watched a movie, sang "Happy Birthday" at the end, and got out of there. Brilliant party planning by the parents. I send my sincerest of kudos. Happy birthday to their son. What a nice time. How I was love it. How's what? How was your evening? Oh, my evening. Um, I uh, had a long day of work. Mm. And typically, I like to relax or meditate or do something, you know, yeah. mellow at something, the end of the day, at the end of a crazy day. Yes. Today, I walked out into my yard and there was this brick that had kind of fallen into this kind of compost pit that we have. Okay. Okay. So I picked the brick up and I was going to put it back into place. And instead of putting it back into place, I dropped it directly on my toe. Oh snap, dude. What are you doing? Don't do that. Yeah, I know. It was not like a really mellow way to end the day, but now I'm kind of awake and ready for the podcast. So it worked out. Yo, that's literally like some Simpsons level nonsense, like <laughs> dropping a brick on your foot. I was hoping what in my head, the alternate reality version of that is that you're like, man, it was a long, rough day and like to do something chill, meditating, blah, 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 after work. But but today instead, I uh, I walked outside, walked out my front door, walked onto my lawn and just uh, dropped trow and urinated <laughs> um, in broad daylight. And uh, No, that's Wednesdays. Know. Oh, damn it. We're a day early and a piss short. Pete, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about King Crimson, Bob. King Crimson in the court of the Crimson King. And I got to say, shout out to my friend Ro, who is Mm. a big King Crimson fan. I don't know if he listens, but he might listen just for this episode. Mm -hmm. He, him and uh, many other people really, really wanted us to do the album Red. Okay. But... They got out. They got outvoted. So uh, I don't know what to do about that. You get well, outvoted. It's just how it goes. Do you know what my answer is? What's that? Let's do red. I mean, inevitably, we'll do that at some point. I, I yeah, and let's make it sooner rather than later because um, I have I have a confession to make, uh, but I, I, I'm going to save it. I'll, I'll tease it by saying that. Um, I'm excited to do another King Crimson record. Okay. Uh, I like that. Pete, let's start with this one um, in the way we like to quite often. What was your familiarity with King Crimson in the Court of the Crimson King? So I'm a big King Crimson fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've mentioned many times before, my dad was a prog rock guy. He didn't necessarily get me into King Crimson directly, but um, he got me into Yes and all this other stuff that 
put me on the direct path to finding this record um, in my probably late teens. Um, it was just one of those iconic album covers. I saw it all over the place when I started re- reading more about prog rock. This was a record that always came up. So I think I found it in the dollar bin, probably at Jack's Music and Red Bank. And Hell yeah. Picked it up and still have it and love it and checked out their whole catalog. And I've seen them a few times and yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, what about you? <sighs> Pete, I thought I knew what King Crimson sounded like. Okay. Pete, <laughs> I'm a fool. I'm a fool. <laughs> I'm a foolish, foolish man. I did not know what King Crimson sounded like. Wow. Pete, why? Why? Why, for probably the past 20 years, in my head, I was like, oh, King Crimson. They're sort of like Merciful Fate, right? <laughs> Dog. Wow. Yeah. Yo, this is so exciting. I What's love this. What's wrong with me? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what it is? Who sang for Merciful Fate? King Diamond. Your boy is an idiot an <laughs> idiot i hope that people take take my lead and feel free to put their head on the uh on the guillotine of idiocy once in a while it is quite freeing to acknowledge like you know sometimes this thing don't work too well oh, <laughs> i'm, man. There's no, there's I'm just no happy i didn't that. i didn't drive off the road today uh i i'm glad for seat belts um for uh, basic foods, um, uh, I perhaps need to take vitamins, but I have for so long been confusing King Diamond and King Crimson. I don't and think there's any shame in that. I, I mean, no, I mean, it's just one of those things, you no, know, I, I mean, you, you know what it certain, is. Certain, I, certain bands you never, you never check out. I, I, I'm sure I'm crazy confused about all kinds of bands. Sure, for sure. Let me just go through this, though. Um, You're not these, a frog, dude. I'm not a prog dude, however. um, Nor are you like a deep like metal dude. Deep metal dude. No, no, no. But these are both, these are all things that I have known and known the names of, et cetera, et cetera. I feel so much better now because as I was listening to this record, and and the spoiler is I I really, really like this record. Like I was shocked how much I liked it. Um. And that's why I'm so easy to say. Let's let's go do red because I am going to independently uh, dive down the King Crimson hole here, awesome. um, one that I've avoided because I'm a little bit familiar with merciful merciful fate. Like I know what they sound like, and I can I could identify them if they're on. I think I think even someone who's like, man, you didn't know what King Crimson sounds like. Eh, merciful fates and more closer to my wheelhouse, and they are so recognizable, yeah. especially vocally. Especially yep. by our friend King Diamond, who <laughs> uh, I believe had a uh, somewhat successful uh, solo career. Um, so, can we call it successful? At least he had a solo career. He's, he's doing all right. Yeah, he, he's done some things, but it's Merciful Fate. Um, I avoided this because I had heard Merciful Fate and King Diamond. Young shout out to Jeff, my uh, the the friend of mine who probably should do a music podcast because he would just um, decimate people. He's just very knowledgeable in a way that makes things interesting 
and also like the well is deep and uh, fascinating. But <laughs> he was introducing me and and you know some of my other friends to stuff that we we were not ready for or were willfully ignorant to. Like, bah, merciful fate, you know, like some <laughs> stupid reason. And he'd be mad at us and be like, all right, you fucking idiots. Go back to listen to Chain of Strength again. Um, and <laughs> that's no diss to Chain of Strength. He, he also liked them, but he did not need to listen to it uh, 10 times in one day. Fair. 18-year-old um, me uh, sometimes needed to do that. Again, sometimes this thing doesn't work that well. So <laughs> anyways, now that we've cleared this up, I had uh, an awareness of who this was. This has long been one of my favorite record covers for a record I thought I didn't like. But in reality, it was a great record cover of a record I was unaware of. Um, and this was a uh, really interesting and transformative listen. So pretty psyched um, and pretty psyched to get into it. I love that, man. I'm like, I, I, I didn't know if this was going to be something you were super into because I okay. thought that was definitely an option. Okay. Yeah. Or if this was going to be like the Mars Volta episode redux. Mm, mm, I really, mm. truly did not know. I felt like it could have gone either one of two ways. Hell yeah. I like that. That makes me happy. I got to keep you on my your toes sometimes here. True. Um, so this record... Pete, so we we already spoiled it a little bit. We we chose this one because it got voted on. Yep. Um, but in my opinion, this is also it's a pretty reasonable King Crimson record to start with. This is one of their biggest. I'm assuming it's also Absolutely. their first, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the first, and probably, I mean, it's it's most certainly the the record that everybody knows if you're even mildly familiar with King Crimson. I think Red is kind of more the like deep cut fan favorite. Okay. And that came a few albums like, after this. Yeah, that's like mid-career, we'd say. Yeah, I think that's um, third or fourth record, maybe. Man. Probably fourth record. It might be fourth or fifth. I can't believe it. they've got a lot of records here, buddy. I'm clicking through right now. Yeah. Um so this is their first record. Uh, very recognizable. Good place to start. Is King Crimson one of the definitive prog rock bands? might be the definitive prog rock band. I feel like this might be the definitive prog. You could make an argument that this is the definitive prog rock album, I think. Oh, fantastic. I, yeah. I upon one listen, um, would understand why. Um, yeah. But it also, to me, prog rock is such a weird kind of odd in and out kind of like a broad umbrella that there's a lot of people who could say a lot of things are the quote unquote definitive record for sure. I mean, and, and this is like on the much, much earlier end, which I think yeah. is why you would make that argument where this is like immediately post psych rock, like darkness. Well, and, and that's like, <clears throat> that's where they got me is there's this fusion of late sixties rock of the psych variety but then also, like, there's some folk elements on here. But then they get into the progier stuff, which I actually really enjoy. And, um, yeah, like, this feels like a very transitory record. Um, like, how do you, how do you discuss, uh, like, Joni Mitchell and... <laughs> Uh, like that, the Nuggets comp stuff. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
and then say, well, is there any connective tissue to stuff that you could go like 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 some of the Pink Floyd early Pink Floyd material, or even the early the you know not early material for them, but like as they transitioned into the seventies, that material, or like there's elements of this that remind me of Bowie material. Sure, like, sure. So so I'm like, oh, and all of a sudden this record kind of triangulates itself, and uh, without without being limited to that, which I, I found very impressive. For sure. Um, and, and Robert Fripp ends up doing a lot of work with Bowie, which he, he did okay, the Heroes good. I did album not know that. Did. Okay. Yeah. So, good. so I think... Good. See, my ears are, are, are saving no, you, me where my brain was not. You got um, it. I mean, that dude, that iconic Heroes guitar riff, that's Robert Fripp from King Oh, Crimson. Fripp. Oh, Fripster. Yeah. I like yeah. you, Robert Fripp. He's the real deal, man. You're my second, maybe my third favorite Robert. So, uh, <laughs> credit to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what you were saying before about the prog rock thing, it's like you think of like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and sure. I like some of that stuff, but yes. it's, it's definitively, it's, it is an entirely different thing from King Crimson yes. in my estimation where yes. it's like, it's, it's coming more from classical music, I think, yes. than, than like rock and roll. And it's kind of more definitively up its own ass than this is. Um, uh, yes, no question. And uh, the aesthetic is different. The vibe is different. It's just, uh, it's a really different thing that I think you could certainly trace that a lot of that came from King Crimson or that it was influenced by King Crimson, but they did an entirely different thing with it. Yeah. And I, and I just have to say like King Crimson makes sense to me in a like, the narrative of rock and roll music as as like a piece as you continue to flow and and like a solid story arc where where some of the more experimental early mid late 70s stuff that falls under the broader prog rock calendar feels more anomaly you know yeah. and it's 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 really interesting cuz that stuff paints the rainbow so to say but this is in the arc this is right in it and you can start making these connective tissue connect decisions where it's like, Oh, I've missed out on this record, but I don't think after hearing it, you can go, this doesn't have a seat at the table of the story of rock music. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, this is crucial. Yeah. 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 So I was, uh, thank you for this activity. Thank you for this podcast and forcing me to, to, to listen to records. I thought were <laughs> hey, man, decidedly we something do. very different. Um, we have kind of started because of our rating system, which has been super fun. And thank you. I think everybody's kind of enjoyed it. And I don't know if you've noticed Pete, we've gotten a lot less complaints about our ratings. Yeah. 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 Cause they see that Fact. we've honed it in Facts. We honed it in. Um, we got there. We arrived. So, but I, I think we've started glazing over a question. I've been sad, and it's mostly on me. Relevance, and and so hopefully we'll kind of chime that in. One of the questions that that I would usually ask is about the timelessness of this record. Mm-hmm. One is this record timeless? Yes or no? I would argue that it is, um, and I, I'd agree. But continue. I mean, so if you have no familiarity with the history of rock music or prog rock or anything pre-2000 rock or 2010s rock, you would know the song 21st Century Schizoid Man 
from the Kanye West song Power. That's right. So, so like it's been sampled on big songs. I feel like they're a band that I don't know. I still see this cover art just kind of around and it's maybe iconic. it's maybe it's because I have like an eye for it and I notice it, but it just seems like one of those albums that is still just very much kind of in the ether for whatever reason. Um, so that's not a great argument, but that's my argument at the moment. Um, my argument is those are good takes. Uh, the record's awesome. Um, and I think just quality, it's just very good. Yeah. That said, is it also very much of a time? I, my answer is yes. So I'm saying it's both timeless because of the quality of it. And it's like, this is really good. And I'm also saying that it exists in a time and place for sure. Mm-hmm. Because while uh, 21st century schizoid could, has a lot of timeless energy, the other four tracks on this record are very much of a time. And high level <clears throat> versions of that time, in my opinion. Sure. Um, so I don't think they could have been written or round out this package in the way it does. Despite the fact I'm acknowledging that I think 21st century could have been, could have come out 10 years later, could have come out 20 years later. Maybe there's some mm-hmm. production elements that I think would prevent it from further than that. But sure. sonically what they're doing, they're light years ahead of, of what, um, you know, uh, relative quote unquote peer group, you know, the other artists listen, releasing music in is the 68, no 69, 69 sounded yeah. like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was fully impressed with that. I feel you. I mean, it feels, it does feel of a time, but it also feels singular, which I think makes things timeless. That's exactly right. right? So that's so, something yeah. we got to, we got to hone in on. I think that's exactly right. Is that there are things that are singular, that make them timeless. Do I think Nirvana Nevermind sounds like a record that came out yesterday? Nah, man, that's a 20-year-old record and there's elements that feel like that. Does it is it still timeless? Hell yeah, because it's singular. Yeah. Know? So uh, so that happens as we go forward and as we go backwards in time. Um big ideas, big, big picture thoughts on this record, on this listen through for you. Um just how kind of defining it is for for prog rock in general. I mean, like I've I spent the early pandemic. I read a book on prog rock. I did like this crazy deep dive into like like European, French, German prog in this way that I never had before in my life. Nice. So I kind of like lost the plot at a certain point. But coming back to this, I was like, man, this is it. Like this is the record. Um, so that was that was kind of the big realization for me. was just how kind of formative this is for an entire genre of music. Um, what did you think? Yeah. I, so I'm coming to it from out of genre knowledge, but I think, um, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts like, um, Valmart's so iconic. It, it's something that I think is super recognizable. It's so great. Agree. I wonder how many people who've heard Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon have heard of this record. One out of every thousand? One out yeah, of every... I was going to say. You know what I mean? It's not a huge percentage. Right. How many people who've heard some of big uh, uh, Bowie's bigger records have heard this record? 
Not a huge percentage. Conversely. Yeah. How many of our parents who were big? Uh, <laughs> Joni Mitchell, uh, late 60s, you know, rebellion folk uh, have heard this record. <laughs> Again, probably not a huge percentage, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Yeah, more of those people, though, have heard it, I think. But I think this record, I think there's people who are more the casual level who it's like, oh, yeah, I know the singles who haven't heard this record, who could get something out of this record. For sure. And um, so I think this is one of those things like this predates the concept of indie rock, right? Mm-hmm. If indie rock existed in 1960, and there's all sorts of versions, and like if somebody wants to talk to me about pro, you could. <laughs> but like to me, there's a moment where this is almost before the codification of crate diggers. This is people were aware of this band. This is not some small band. This is not some tiny entity. But there was there's sort of a cliched cool that went along with indie music as it evolved, as it came out of you know uh, in the eighties, kind of really becoming a thing. To me, this feels like it should have been the coolest of the cool record. Um, in the late 60s uh, because it is not you know the big American record is not pop it's not pop accessible to be honest however I have an eight-year-old child in 2022 who was singing along (laughs) to Court of the King you know that's amazing on first listen was like I really like the song this is cool oh he's in Oh, he was in. He really That's liked great. it. It was amazing. And I mean, went went to bed singing it. He thought it was great. But I was just <laughs> like, you know, this is not, this is so much closer to something like, um, like a Bowie or Pink Floyd. And those are gigantic acts. And this record certainly, if you throw it in there, you know, algorithm this, some of these songs into the mix, I think people be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a stop in like, whoa, what is this? Oh, yeah. this is cool. Let me go li- uh, view album. You know what I mean? Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I was super impressed. I was pulled all the way in on my listen. And um, yeah, you know, I already had my big admission and that's right. kind of where, that's where I came to center. And uh, yeah, do you think, go ahead. Sorry. Do you think this record is cool in 2022 in any way? That's such a great question. Yo, here's the thing. <laughs> I think it's like it's almost like it's almost like uh da, 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 like um, when you play Super Mario Brothers. Yep. And you get the star and it's like you can't you kill every enemy. There's nothing that can defeat you. You jump into the big boss, boom, one hit he's out, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's the cool level of this record. <laughs> like, I think this wow. record. Very cool. Yo, because, because, like, is it cool? Yo, man, like, I can't, I don't have that many 17 year old friends. So, so, like, for me to say True. what's cool, like, you're relying on uh, the words of a 175 year old. But I don't, I don't think this record, I think it's impenetrably, like, the coolness is impenetrable. It is so cool. You look at it, you're like, wait, it's kind of like, like, think about this. Kanye samples it. It's just doing this weird thing. And it's like Kanye samples it, but it's, 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 it's something people can hear and it's accessible and, and enjoy, but it's also not like ABBA. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no cringe to this. Yeah. Like I feel that. You could you could I think it gets name checked, but not too much. I don't know who would give you pushback to the coolness level of this record. There's so much instrumentation all over the place, but none of it feels like it all feels tasteful and cohesive. The songs are long. Pete, I don't know if these songs are too long. I don't think they are. The, Yo, I think it might be we, an exception to our whole podcast. Jesus, this is like, this yeah, is well, that's break the thing the I love. I love, I love <laughs> when we find the, the exception of the rule. Uh, it's got five songs. Yo, they put out a five song, 43 minute record. And I'm like, nah, it's not too long. You know, and <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of break it down a little bit, but like, it's a it's a rock it's a prog rock record that has like these jazzy parts these almost jammy parts like a bluesy parts but none of it feels like a put on as mentioned it's like would you call this a fusion record because to me most fusion records are not as cohesive as this yeah and so I mean, it's, that's it's fusing all this stuff it's prog ba 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 yo the most progressive part about it is it feels like it is people who've been doing it for 30 years and that's yeah, not top of their game. That's technically not possible. You know? <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, so cool. It's cool as in the DNA. It's like 10 out of just, 10 cool, man. I can't like, you know what I mean? Like it's when, 10 when, out of I, 10 when cool. I asked that question, I was just thinking about the crew of people that I was surrounded by when I went to see them. And wait a second, wait a second, pull back. I, I don't know if you'd call them cool, but I, and I'm speaking of myself as being one of them. <laughs> well, you're a pretty cool dude. People should know that. Know. You're a pretty yeah. cool dude. Uh, now, however, however, the people you're surrounding yourself with at the King Crimson show, I'm not 100% on that. <laughs> I'm not 100% on that. I feel so like they, they understand cool, but they might not be cool in and of themselves. <laughs> well, you know, like Pete, I understand cool, but sometimes I wear shorts. That's not cool, man. Not cool. Not cool. You got to wear pants. When yeah. I know something serious, I throw pants on. You can't, you can't be <laughs> rough. Like there's an exception. The exception to the shorts rule, folks, uh, for dudes women you're wonderful you can I, I was talking with friends today about kangle hats and who who looks good with a kangle hat and i th- said i think most women look really good with with kangles like they can pull it off most men the exact opposite uh, uh but as i've fallen off the fashion branch please listen to this 40 year old father's opinion on fashion uh, <laughs> you can wear shorts if you're wearing a long sleeve or crew neck sweatshirt looks good hooded sweatshirt sweatshirt can look good but you have to be careful not 100 percent cool you might be you might look a little bit to uh how do you do fellow kids so uh bob's fashion corner is now closed hopefully we'll never <laughs> use it um but i i would say the average king crimson crowd is uh is not super cool so we maybe maybe this podcast will change that but they like cool music and there might be some in our audience. So let's, uh, let's keep yeah. it moving. Let's not, keep it moving. Uh, let's go not harp on it, but yeah, let's yeah. do the track by track. Hell yeah. Yo, if you're a King Crimson fan, I think you're cool. How about that? That's my main. If you're a King problem. Crimson fan and an In Search of Tracks podcast oh fan, God. you're, you're Let like, me know and I'll send you a dollar in the mail, yeah. U.S. post office. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's, is there any other big thoughts? Because I think we're going to get into all of it with the track by track. I think, uh, quick thing one of yes. the things i remember reading in this prog rock book was that apparently one of their first shows was opening up for the rolling stones um at hyde park in 1969 okay. which is pretty wild 
Yeah, not a that's bad insane. Show. That's it's insane. Like, to like roughly a quarter of a million to half a million people. Not yeah, a bad it, start. That's pretty, pretty, pretty good. I gotta say, um, pretty good. Pretty, pretty it, good leg up. But like, did they underachieve based on that grand launch? Uh, over time. That's my question. Like, this isn't maybe not. This is a band who's really cool, and this record's notable. Somebody's kicking their their radio, but this isn't like one of the, this isn't one of the top ten biggest rock bands of all time or anything, or top twenty. You know what I mean? No, no. I don't. Are they are they top fifty most quote unquote successful rock bands of all time? I would say def- definitely not. Right. But, so, but they're still so, actively touring and selling out yeah. theaters and doing yeah. doing just fine. Hell yeah! But never stadiums. So that's never okay. Stadiums. That's yeah. okay. Um. Yeah, All right. much respect. Um, but I think that's it. I mean, the only I, I guess the only other thing is we mentioned Robert Fripp, but he's the only consistent member um, in Con Crimson at this point. There have been like other very important members that were in the band for a good run, but he's the mm-hmm. only guy that's uh, still in the band at this okay. point. All right. Well, Mr. Fripp, would you like to share Fribble? <laughs> Pete, I think we're ready to do a track by track, and I love yo, I love I love a five song track by track. I'm so happy. I love it too. Let's go in. 21st century schizoid man. Runtime 724. This could be the defining prog rock song. Uh, it's like an all-time great. Uh, really cool song. Uh, I found the energy was just like exploding through the roof. Yep. It's jazzy and jammy, and I yep. don't mean that in a diss way. But also heavy. Yeah. I feel like the heaviness is like what really gets me on these tracks. It's like you expect prog rock to be kind of like noodly, and it's... No, like if it's, you're, if it's you're going in not Aqualung, really knowing much, it's, but it's, it's like it's, yeah, it's closer to Aqualung than like Didi Deedle, you know. So for sure, yeah. Um, the song feels freewheeling at parts, but literally always returns to center. Yep. Um, do you pick up on? Do you know the Mission Impossible song? Do, yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> There's an element of that. Were they fans? Does this predate? I think Mission Impossible <laughs> predates them. And if it was conscious of they were fans, I, I like the little like wink and nod. I don't think it is, but it's you know <laughs> synchro mysticism. I yeah, love that's, it. I never thought of that, but you're so right about that. Mm, this is when your brain doesn't work, but uh, <laughs> but at least at least you know the Mission Impossible theme song, right? Um, I mean, this is yeah. I mean, I think of this song much more than I ever think about the Mission Impossible song, but 
you, you listening to this, that's what came to mind. I love <laughs> no, it. Apparently not me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the really notable Sonic things I, I thought of with the song is I love the tone when the horns and the guitars collide sonically. I just thought, I think it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like this is, this all kind of like comes together. Um, the I vo- mean, the, go ahead. Yeah. It, I was going to say it's, it's, I just feel like horns are so off-putting for me in general, like having grown up in like the ska era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, it's yeah. like you had like, you had trouble saying the ska era. That's how much you dislike it. <laughs> like when it when when it's when horns are incorporated into a song and I really love it, I'm like, wow, this is so well done. Like, how did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in the same place as you with that because it is a weird it's not knee jerk, but it's close. It's like if you don't have the horns, if the horns don't hit perfectly, I'm out. Um, and here I think they actually work. I mean, across this, I think they work really well. But yeah. This song has like cacophony elements, like just a lot of noise, a lot of sounds happening, but they're all in concert and they all really work. Um, I want to talk about the vocal effect a little bit. What do okay. you think of it? Um, because it's, it's really minimal. Like it's it's kind of like vocals on this this seven and a half minute song are like <laughs> almost garnish. Yeah, but it's very unique for the time and place. It is. I I think it's super effective, and I'm I'm all in on it. I mean, I I honestly just uh, I've never thought too much about it because this song always felt so fully formed to me. I was like, I wouldn't change a thing about this. Um, oh. but, but, but I think you're right where it, uh, it is a very different take on what could have been done. Right. Well, so. and, and I appreciate it because I think for this song, like the vocals on this track are light years away from the other four songs of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, if somebody wants to push back, please do. But I think there's a strain. There's that, like, there's a literal effect on it. It's discordant. That is one of the big elements that takes this song and places it as a kind of like anachronistic, like you could pull this song out and it would fit somewhere else almost. Like, oh, this is a song out of time. Right. Like if if you heard this song blind, someone told you, yeah, this weird, you know, British British band wrote it in 83. Would that would that shock oh, sure. you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Um, it would not surprise me any more than this band who wrote it in 69. I, in fact, I think 69, I would have been more, su- more surprising. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's just kind of very unique in that way. Um, what, if I, that. what if I told you this might be, no, it's not my least favorite song on the record. It's my second least favorite song on the record, maybe, but that's not uh, to say it's bad. I, I agree. I think it's a defining prog rock song. I'm just more into folk than I am to prog. <laughs> <laughs> See that take I never would have guessed in a million years. Um, hey, well, but welcome, I'm, I'm, welcome to the uh, you know uh, the party of my mind. See, I would have thought if Bob found a track on this record, it would have been 21st Century or Court of the Crimson King. Court but, of the Crimson King is there, uh, but I Talk to the Wind is really close. Let's go into it. All right. Well, first, I want your opinion. It's a super heavy track. It speeds up, like you said. I mean, it takes you on this like wild journey that's like part Black Sabbath, part free jazz, part like circus music, part psych rock. Um, it's just like such an adventure. And I, as a drummer too, I 
I think the dude playing drums on this record kills on all these tracks, especially this one. Um, no question. And varied style of drumming. Yes. Yeah, such know, like a impressive. cool, weird style. Yeah. And uh, the, I mean, you know, we've mentioned we come from punk, we come from hardcore. Sure. The end of this song is like, it's like a serious breakdown where it comes out of the, <laughs> yeah. the fast part and then yeah. just like back into the 21st century, like, opener it is so heavy to me that's um, one of the things i like the most about and, and if someone who's listening is isn't has is like kind of doesn't mess around with music that is now uh 50 years old <laughs> i love seeing song structure and the way bands played with it around this time because there's some really in- interesting decisions made they don't always hit and they might not always hit for you um, and and the album might not hit, but I I was thinking of that Can record and some of those song structures really like I go back thinking about those elements less yeah. so about like any catchiness or like oh this is in my head or I want to kind of like think about this more just the song structures and the way they're formed this song structure like I, I think the structures of these songs are impeccable like just incredible song structure and they play with different things. 21st century schizoid man um at that end you're right it's almost like like if you wanted to say there was a proto metal element there's some of that in here because of how heavy it is sure yeah and then i mean and to your point about song structures the end doesn't fade it like builds yes and then it just cuts out which i think is so effective so yeah i mean i love this song i'm all in and i think it goes seamlessly into the next song um which I is on the wind. because i talk to the wind it's a very different song. Pete, how do you feel about songs with flutes though? I mean, that's the thing, man. I'm I'm all in on this song. I I'm all in on this record, not to, you know, give the whole thing away. I'm I'm in, but this one like it gets a little ren fair for me. Um Oh, oh, please. My it, my, my it, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm yeah. here for it. Um but I mean, I I always think of like debut albums and like you know, a lot of the time, especially, I feel like maybe less so nowadays, but 60s, 70s, 80s, like you're trying to give the audience a sense of what you're capable of doing. Sure. So this, this to me is kind of like, hey, we did the we did the heavy, proggy, jazzy, crazy. Now we're going to do the Ren Faire mellow vibe. Um, so it's a good like yin to the yang of 21st century schizoid man. I, um, I love it. They take the flute for a walk. <laughs> uh, the drumming is unreal. It's so good. And it's like, it's almost like a drummer going, oh, okay. Okay, you've got something going on here with the song. Let me just show you what I can do. And it's almost, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is mostly jazz drums. Like there's a lot of like, it's like the softest version of jazz drums, but it's just moving you through this whole song. And yeah. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I think it's got this interesting tempo. I agree. The transition from 21st Schizoid Man into this and it just being like, hey, we're taking you somewhere um, is really impressive. I, I love this song. I think it's... You're not wrong. There's Renfair elements to it, but um, I think you can find a lot of that in the well-done folk music of, you know, is these kind of moody overtures that feel light and airy 
And when yeah. you listen to it, it's like, man, this is really nice. Like, this is uh, 21st schizoid, 21st century. I'm going to say 21st century. Um, man, that's that could that could you could be dystopian sci fi world with that song. You could do some futuristic stuff. You could do some like war scenes, battle stuff. I talked to the wind. That's uh, a sunny day running through the fields kind of thing, you know. So, so maybe I was just in the mood for a picnic, but this song really hit me. <laughs> I feel you. I think I read that this song was influenced by Joni Mitchell. So, mm. well, that tracks. Whatever that's worth. Yeah, that tracks. I think of it. I've been, I've been uh, very much in a Carol King, uh, like um, vortex for the last few months. Uh, so, so that would probably lean into why I'm kind of feeling these elements of this record more, but I I just think this is really well done. Nice. Where are you at on Epitaph? Third of five songs on here. It feels really, really epic coming right out of the gate. Um, I really like the lyric, I feel tomorrow I'll be crying. Like the vocals on this one are really effective to me. Tomorrow um, and tomorrow, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, uh, it's it's super good. I mean, I really like the production on this one. I like how loud it gets, like yeah. the dynamics of the loud on this one. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's more sonic, like... No, that's they're, a fun one. Real quick, real quick, because I want yeah, you to know yeah, yeah. the sonic dynamics. They they do they don't do um, soft loud or quiet loud per se. I should say that they do soft loud. That's what they do. They don't do quiet loud, which is one binary, right? Yeah. Soft is not the binary to loud. Soft is the binary to hard. But they do these things where they're soft music to louder version of it, or loud to louder. And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. And it's such an effective use as opposed to quiet loud, which is what we get a lot of in post 1980s rock music, um, especially, especially in alternative music. There's a ton of quiet to loud stuff. Yeah. Where it's like literally like, okay, we want it to boom out as opposed to this where it's like hey it's gonna be soft and mellow and then we're gonna get loud with it and it like crescendos which is a different feeling than going quiet to loud you know so yeah um, I, I back to you the the sonic dynamics no that's it i mean and, and in that way i feel like it's one of the more kind of cinematic songs on this record it like it really paints this picture and i mean all a lot of the songs do that but this one i feel like more so than 
than any of the other tracks yeah, on the this, record. It somehow, um, to me, finds a middle ground between 21st and Talk to the Wind. Sonically, it takes a lot yeah. more cues from I Talk to the Wind. Like, you could take the last four songs of this record, even Court of the Crimson King, which gets really proggy and almost space pro- like spacey kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You could hand it to somebody who just wants to hear Joni Mitchell, and they'd be like, "Yeah, all right, okay, I can deal with that. Okay, this is cool. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, you 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 hit some of the points. I actually think vocally, uh, this might be a high point on the record. The Court of the Crimson King. He's doing some cool. I like credit to Dude for his vocal range because and leading with Twenty First Century because I think they're actually burying quality vocals on that song. Sure. Uh, because the effect, but it's in the effort of doing something different for the entire sonic template. Here on Epitaph, I think it's just like, hey, let's let's show them what let's let's show them what we can do. Yeah. That sounds right. All right, Moonchild. Moonchild, this one is a very interesting one. I feel like there's a lot going on. It gets like really dreamy and it kind of floats away like three minutes in and it becomes this like weird ambient experimental piece from there. Yes. Um, which, but I'm like all in on it. I mean, how long is this song? This is over. It's like 12 minutes. minutes isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like 12 minutes. Yo, I, there's a weird kind of, ex- you, you nailed it about three minutes. There's like an extended intro that, Yo, timeless. Actually, it feels there's a the uh, there's a vocal um, effect being used on that uh, at least partially. Yep. And then the song kind of kicks in, and it's those mechanisms like, oh, this wasn't like one. It's not brand new at this point, but they used it so effectively that I think this became one of those models that was reused and reused and reused, and might have origin points at here because i think the way they use it and how it kicks in is is pretty pretty cool yeah yeah i mean i think too that beyond even just within king crimson themselves i like as a band and as like in terms of their evolution i feel like and king crimson guitar nerds might call me out on this i have no idea but i feel like Robert Fripp developed this thing that he called Frippertronics, which was just like what he was using with Bowie. It was like, an, it was like, <laughs> yes. it, was, it was what he was doing on all of his like solo records. It's like this very specific thing that he was doing with his guitar and like, like the effects that he was using. I feel like this is like a really early version of what he ultimately perfected and what became like Frippertronics. Um, so and there's agree. a lot of cool percussion on this one too. Cool and varied at the beginning. Yeah in particular through the yeah, super mid, varied through the midsection and later part of the song is perhaps the most experimental section of the whole record yeah and if you haven't i think by this point in the record you've either bought in or you're out but if for some reason you haven't bought in this is where you could drift off and be like wait what's going on here like this is not the song i would hand someone say hey check out king crimson Start with Moonchild. Right. I think, I think the entire first half, because I love I think the intro's neat. I love where it gets really dreamy and kind of airy and weird, but then it uh, unravels into a little bit more experimentation before coming back to it. I think you can get lost in that part. If you just found yourself there, you'd be like, What what the is this just no, the Frippatronics actually plays in because I think there's some sort of like, okay, what are we doing here? And it's Maybe, you know what? 
you called 21st century fully formed. I think it's so fully formed, like fully cooked. This mm-hmm. is like 21st century schizoid man is a fully cooked Parisian bakery croissant. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> you're you're actually in trouble for calling it a croissant. You're supposed to be calling it a croissant. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you don't really pronounce any of the letters at all. Um, yeah. Moonchild's the only song I'll argue with as being not fully formed on this record. I just think it's it's good. I'm here for it. I really like I like really like the first half of it. And then they lose it and then they get back to it. So I'm I'm in. I'm still buying this if it the just the song is on the shelf. But it's the weakest part of a very good record. I could see that. I mean, I think that you could like ambient music is an interesting thing because like, mm. is it ever fully formed? Like the idea of it is like, it's kind of not right. <sighs> oh but, no, I thought, oh but, man, I might disagree, but, but go ahead. I mean, I, I don't know. You can make an argument either way. Um, sure. But, but I guess my, my, the thing that's most interesting to me, I guess about this track is like, yeah, I actually had in my notes, like if you're, if you have no kind of experience with, like more experimental music right at, at 10 minutes in you're like where is the song like what is <laughs> what is going on here right yes. but like but at the same time i think that epitaph is super strong oh so the, Court of the crimson king is so strong yes. which we'll get into yes so it's kind of sandwiched between these two things that and it it you hear parts of Moonchild throughout the record i mean they obviously don't That's do right. 10 minutes of quiet ambience but like but it doesn't feel out of place in any way. No, and in it, that way, yes. I think that it, it fits really well into the record, like as an album. I think you're and right. I, think I it's also a, think that if you're sorry, if you, if you, if you find something here, like this could very well be like a gateway to like oh. weirder, more experimental music. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, p- point well taken. Love that. I think it's, the song's crucial to the overall vibe and feel of the record because it's, it's the song that pushes out in certain ways. Yeah. Um, where 21st, really pushes out in a bunch of ways. And then they bring you back to center with some, I talked to the wind epitaphs doing a lot of great things and also pushing around, but you're not breaking out. Whereas Moonchild really pushes into that experimental space yeah. um, in a way that could take someone out. Um, so I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Like if they, if they, if Moonchild was side B, like this record doesn't end up becoming as, as important as it was. Yo, well put because if you lose it are you saying if you reorder like you the record cut, yeah you cut court of the crimson oh, king oh if you cut court of the crimson king this turns into truly like an oddity <laughs> where it's like True. these songs feel fully formed but maybe this album doesn't feel fully formed yeah because you end on such an odd note where if a whole b-side is just this moonchild thing it's like oh it's like experimental music yeah as or opposed even if, to like, whoa, this is doing something different, experimental, but it feels really, like I said, cohesive. For sure. I mean, I also think you could probably make the argument that if you put Court of the Crimson King on side A, it still is like a weird oddity record because it just doesn't. Because it ends in a weird way. Yeah, no, you can't yeah. end with Moonchild. But I think that's a great way to segue in to ending with the Court of the Crimson King. First thing, Pete, is this a strong closer? Yeah.
the strongest. It's awesome. Um, I already <laughs> noted, I think this is the catchiest of the songs on this record, which is odd because, again, we're talking about a song that is just shy of nine and a half minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but all but, these songs move, and I was thinking about it in the effort of this this you know recording like do i get lost in the flow of the record no i think the songs flow into each other well do i ever get lost in the flow of the song in itself not really and in fact the strongest parts not at all and the Mm -hmm. core of the crimson king is this movement that's like i'm gonna make a comparison that some people might take offense to because it's one of the most overplayed rock songs of all time. Okay. But Stairway to Heaven is a seven minute and change song. Mm-hmm. It gets played on the fucking radio. <laughs> it is a song most people know. Yep. And a lot of people don't like songs over four minutes. Yeah. There are movements to it, but it is uh, most definitely a, a just a song. It is a song and it's got parts and it all kind of flows together. I would call it a track. It's, it's undeniably a track. We, 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 we can do Led Zeppelin 4 at some point, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, with a song that doesn't sound anything like Starway to Heaven, The Court of the Crimson King, it does have movements. It's a long song, It has, a, but it, ha- it has all the functions of a song, and it does the things that I always look for, which is like mel- um, melody completion. Like, it just... It's so well contained and all the things that you hear come to a logical conclusion in space despite being a complex, long, varied song with a lot of instrumentation going on. There's parts of this song that get really spacey, but in this teasing way where they don't need laser effects for you to know this is spacey. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> that's okay. a good take okay i love it i this is this is my favorite song on the record um followed by talk to the wind epitaph 21st and then Moonchild. like what wow. a, what a crazy record tell me about court of the crimson king it's maybe my favorite prog prog track ever Hell it's yeah. like it's it's unbelievable and actually when i introduce people to king crimson which i think i've introduced a few people at this point who are now fans um this is the song that i'll show them Oh hell Cause, yeah! Because it's like, what is it? Seven, eight, nine minutes. You you mentioned it. Nine and a half minutes. Nine and a half. Okay. Nine twenty six. So yeah. Yeah. So it's long, but it doesn't feel long at all. Um, and it is super heavy. It's psychedelic, like you yes, said. It like yes. goes to space and back. Yes. Um, it's not too folky. Know, it's not too Ren fair. Yeah. Um, yo, uh. Th- this might be the biggest compliment we can pay to King Crimson is that they somehow write nine minute songs that feel like three and a half minute songs <laughs> and, and wrote a 43 minute record that neither of us is going to say is too long. And in fact, like we're over here yelling and pounding our fists on the table, like 30 minutes, keep it to 30 minutes. Oh, you write fast songs. Cool. Cool. Keep it to 22. <laughs> um, Oh, you write 10 minute songs? <laughs> yeah. Yo, cool. 43 minutes. 42 minutes, minutes fine, cool. Fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Five <laughs> songs fan. Good, good job. Get in and out. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great song. Absolutely a track. If I was introducing someone to this record, that's the one. And even though I said I like I talked to the wind more, 
then you go epitaph because it's more of a representation of this record and then 21st century schizoid which is probably the most important song in this record it's just not my favorite makes sense pete let's let's give this record some right ratings um let's rank I'm it very curious to see where you end up um i was pretty surprised where i ended up but after you know sitting with this record for actually a couple weeks i was not surprised let's dive in pete holistic quality is this record is this good like uh overall when when someone says hey is this a good record how yeah. enthusiastic is that reaction i'm pretty enthusiastic about this one i'm gonna give it an 18 okay cool i give it a 16 and it, that's the kind of thing that might creep higher if i was more familiar with it beforehand highs uh i give highs it an, of highs i give it an eight out of ten <laughs> and it theoretically could be higher than that that's not high enough, Bob. I'm going to give it a nine. Damn, look at you. Lows. I gave it a seven out of ten because the lows are not that low. Not low. I'm going to give it a seven too, yeah. Hell yeah, okay. Um, competency or peer review. I had trouble with this because I, I don't know exactly who their peers are, but I, I've mentioned a bunch of names of artists in their frequency or what I would, uh, you know, just on a pure sonic dumb ears listen and i still give it a nine out of ten i'm torn between a 10 and a nine i mean i just imagine imagine seeing this band like i know there were spacier kind of psyche bands playing at the time Mm -hmm. but imagine being a stones fan and going to hyde park and seeing these guys open up that show like your brain would explode yeah yeah i mean right you would hope you would hope so you would hope or you just leave but um that's right it's 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 all or nothing basically yeah i'm gonna give it a nine all right drag factor did this record drag does it drag so i think it's pretty great um and does not really drag despite them almost like attempting to drag at certain points sure like sure yeah what about what about a five song 40 minute record that doesn't dirge this is like pre-dirging even they get heavy but they never dirge fascinating it's pretty tough it's a tough achievement um i'm gonna give it an eight i gave it a seven i think moonchild experimentation is the only place where i could see someone's like uh like the way you your your head just starts to drift like you're you've been driving 400 miles already today and you're just like oh look over there dear you know like you, <laughs> you hit the the rumble strip um, yeah that's the only point where it is so that's pretty strong for a five song 40 minute record flow how does the album move into each other from song to song within the song as a, an overall composition what's the flow like for you it's pretty good I give it an uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 for me, buddy. I'm torn. I'm going to give it a 9. Damn. Damn. This is so high for you. It's going to um, be high. Aesthetic. Uh, the overall look and feel. Um, if you haven't seen this record cover, uh, please Google it. And then you'll go, oh, I've seen this record cover. And then for everybody who's seen this record cover, whether you love it or hate it, then I think most people will at least be like, nah, I like it. Look at the singles. Uh, specifically Court of the Crimson King because Mm. it was actually released as a single and the art goes along with the album art and it's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, Nine out of ten for me. Art, I'm going to... That's one that I... I want to give it a ten, but quite honestly, 
I've I've now been to like the King Crimson website and found like polo shirts that they have with this face on it, and it made me dislike it. So I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, there you go. Impact and influence, Pete. This one I gotta give. I give it a score because I have to. I think it's influential, but I I don't have the knowledge background to say how much. And it mostly due to my idiocy uh, was misregistered. I give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, I actually I was leaning the same direction. I mean, I I think it was highly influential for a very long time. It still is in certain circles, but it's I don't know how long those legs are at this point. So uh, seven. And now the intangible, Pete. I, earlier in this episode, I said this record is so cool; it's impenetrable to lames, um, uh, to lame energy. I should say it's a nine out of ten for me. I think it's like. I was having a hard time thinking about what someone could come up with as being like lame about this record. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Perfect score on the intangibles. I just, there's something about this record that's super special. Like I, I, I've thought many times in the many record collection purges that I've done in my life, like what I can and cannot get rid of. And this record has never hit the chopping block. Hell yeah. And like, if I were to keep 10 records, like this might be in that mix, which is strange because I don't even listen to it all that often. But every time I go to it, I think it's like, so I, I'm just like floored by how great it is and how interesting it is. Yo, uh, Pete, I did the math. I come out to 80. That's really high. That's high. Really high. What about you? I'm at an 86. God damn. Bless up to King Crimson. Everybody. Bob, are you adding this to your collection though? Hell yeah, I am. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The only problem is I can I find a good used copy of this record in the wild? I think you still can. Okay. I think you, I think it might be a little more expensive than you're used to, maybe like 10 to 20, but there's oh. <laughs> there's enough of them out there. Hey, uh I I uh count me in. 20 bucks easy easy buy. Pete, you, you already have this one. I know I it. I got it. I got it. Everybody I, follow- might, I might need to get a cleaner copy, though. We'll say. Hell yeah. Let's upgrade. Uh, everybody follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at? At TraxPod. Thank you for the emails. You send them to us at? TraxPod at gmail.com. And listen, if you don't follow us, you don't get to vote on these things. Uh, Pete, I'm going to... This episode could have been read, but it's not. Read, it's not, not enough of you voted. Pete, I'm leaving everybody with a wise quote. Uh, it's not how good you're doing. It's how long you're doing good. Goodbye. Oh